0: If you'll join me today in the book of Mark, in your Bible, to the book of Mark, again, let me say to our friends who've come to be a friend, to some of our folks, we sure appreciate you coming today. And I'm going to preach real short to uh, show my appreciation to you for coming today. And uh, I want you to, we'd like to welcome all of you who joined us by way of live stream or by our radio, wherever you are around the world. We're so glad you're with us today. In your Bible to the book of Mark, chapter number 8, going to just review a little bit and then we'll get into the message for just a little while. Uh, we want to talk to you today about divine revelation. Uh, is Jesus who he says he is or is he one of the prophets like Islam say he is? Or maybe just Another man like the Mormons say he is. Or maybe just a thought like Jehovah's Witness say he is. Or is he is who he says he is. He always was what he says he was. And I guess he'll always be what he says he'll be. So I suppose he is what he is. Unless you and I take a look at it. The Bible says in verse 27 of Mark chapter 8... And let me just lay a little groundwork. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? It's real important today on who you say and think. Jesus is Uh, it's very important and then the next verse says and they answered John the Baptist but some say Elias and others one of the prophets Uh, at least everybody knew he was a miracle worker he would have to be if he raised from the dead as John the Baptist or as Elias bless your heart who came back after his ride in the fiery chariots to heaven, uh, folks asked me, do you believe in UFOs? I sure do. I'll bet you that fiery chariot came down to get Elijah. If we had a picture of that, the United States government would throw that so far back in the arcades, we'd never find it again. Amen. Verse 29, And he says unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ, or interpreted the Messiah, the promised one that's going to come and set up a kingdom on this earth. Do away with Rome and all of her bondage and all of her slavery. You're the Christ, the Messiah. Look down at verse number 32. And he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. You tell me, where did Peter get the nerve to rebuke the Messiah? Where did this ordinary man, according to the Bible, a foul-mouthed man, according to the Bible, a very undisciplined man who recognized Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And just a few verses later, he was rebuking him and said, No, that's not how things are going to go. In Verse 33, when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. I wonder today maybe if there's not somewhat of truth in that last verse. That most of Christendom, I'm not talking about you now, I'm talking about everybody who's not here. Could it be possible that most of Christendom are interested more in the things of men than the things of God. Amen. Could it be possible today that maybe we, like Peter, at times might be savoring the things of men yes, and not of God? Yes. Amen. And then Jesus starts talking about Some things that's far beyond mine and your comprehension. Notice verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples. He said unto them, whosoever will come after me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now I don't know about you. But I have some trouble with that verse. Uh, I I have a lot of difficulties with denying myself. Now, I know nobody else here does, but uh, I I want you to know something. This old flesh really begins to dictate what the Spirit does. Uh, When it gets tired and lazy, it's easy to say, I'll listen to it on the radio. Uh, it's easy, bless your heart, to do everything else, but Jesus is talking to him now about something serious. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 35 And whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's the same shall save it for what profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul or what shall it or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul now i know today's race day a lot of our folks could not deny their desire To fulfill the lust of the flesh. You say, Are you mad at him? No, I'm not mad at him. I'm just saying, if you want to follow the Lord, race day is not race day, it's God's day. Deny yourself. Now, you folks who are going to get married, don't jump in the sheets. Before you stand before me, Amen. you say, That's a Wednesday night sermon. Well, you're not here. <laughs> Amen, Reverend. Amen. Deny yourself, Amen. respect Amen. your lady, Amen. respect her above your desires. Amen. If any man will follow me, It's okay if you don't want to follow him. It's okay if you want to do that. It's okay if you want to give in to the flesh. It's okay if you want to save your life. But I want you to know in the long run, you will not save your life. You will lose your life to this world, sin, the devil, and all of his imp. You'll be a loser if you do not deny yourself. You say, man, you go from hell to this. Glad you got a co-pastor. He'll be preaching tonight. Now, this is tough. Now, this is not this is not contemporary Christianity. This is Bible Christianity. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily. And follow him. That means he's first. That means he's priority. That means never nothing. Everything else is secondary. Deny yourself. Now, please let me help you. I'm having trouble with that. Now, Jim is not. Mother, brother, you banks is not. Yes, I, I am. <laughs> but I am there's a lots of things I'd like to do that I don't think it would behoove a Christian to do. There's places I'd like to go. I don't think it would behoove a Christian to go there. Deny yourself. I want you to know something now. I'm having trouble in this area. This is not my sermon or my text. My text is chapter 9 verses 1 through 8. And before I get into that text, you say, how long are you going to preach? About that long. (laughs) I heard a story recently about a terrible fire in a chemical plant. I thought immediately about West. West. But this has nothing to do with West. Several area fire departments responded to the blaze. And crowds began to gather. The media was there and everybody watched at a distance. The helicopters and the satellite remote trucks were all there as the flame roared out of control. The president of the company was among the crowd and he was frantic. He gathered together all the chiefs of the fire department and said there's a safe inside that building that if anyone will bring me that safe secure I will give them one half a million dollars. There's sensitive documents in that safe and formulas for all of our high selling product. I need that document. Please one of you chiefs get that safe and bring it out. And while the blaze was raising and the firemen all had tried the best they could, but somehow or another the chemical fire just would not be abased, suddenly... Before long, an old beat-up, dilapidated, 1930s, fire engine came roaring through the crowd, past all the other fire trucks, and it was manned by men who were 60 and 70 and 80 years old. And they come, and they come right through the crowd, past the chiefs, and right into the middle, bust in the door, and went right into the deeps and the heart of the fire. Everybody was standing amazed as the fire roared around that old truck. And finally, after several hours, the fire abased. And all the old firemen with their fire engine backed out of the blaze. And hurrahs and cheers for everybody And everybody was cheering the old men. And the 80-some-year-old fire chief received the check for a half million dollars. At the press conference later, somebody asked the old fire chief, A half million dollars you got? Yes. Do you have any idea what you're going to do with it? He said, oh yes, that's been settled. All the firefighters said this time, let's get a fire engine with brakes. (laughs) Now I told you that story. First of all, because I thought it was funny. Secondly, I told you that story because it has a meaning. Now I'm going to read you a story out of God's word. And in this story, we ought to see what happened. But for God's sake, let's not miss why it happened. Please now listen. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, and James, and John. And leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them. Transfigured means what has always been on the inside now suddenly is on the outside. Transfigured. This morning, I got up. My hair was a mess. I had a terrible taste in my mouth. My clothes were wrinkled. I went to the bathroom. I closed the door. I brushed my teeth. I combed my hair. And I came out transfigured. You'll get that after a while. (laughs) And his raiment became shining exceeding white snow. So as no fooler on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses. And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. For he wished not what to say, for they were sore afraid. There was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked around about... They saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. Could I please just for a moment explain to you what happened? And then please, dear Lord, help me to explain to all of us why it happened. Man, I don't know if I could have stood it or not. But after Jesus challenged his disciples, deny yourself, take up your cross, Christianity is not going to be easy. Being a follower of me is going to be costly. It's not easy street being a follower of Jesus. After he challenged them, to do that and to throw it all on the altar of God, Jesus must have said in his heart and God Almighty must have said in his heart, I think they need something more. I think maybe the reason we're not willing to deny ourselves and the reason we're not willing to take up our cross daily is we probably need To see something more. Oh, preacher, I'm saved. Oh, thank God for that. I'm under the blood. Thank God for that. I've been justified by faith. Thank God for that. How are you at denying yourself? How are you taking up your cross daily and following him regardless of the pain, regardless of the consequences, regardless of the cost? How many are willing to take up your cross? Thank God we're saved. And if you're not saved, you can be saved today. And if you're not going to heaven, you can go heaven today. My older son, Gene Jr., called me yesterday and he said, Daddy, we're having revival. I have 70 adults saved in the past three weeks. And I said, praise God for that. But I just wondered this, this morning, if you're here and not saved, what would you give in exchange for your soul? What is worth more than you spend an eternity with Christ? Just what big reward does this world have to offer us that we should sell our soul to the devil and go to hell? What is so important to us today that we'd do that? Now notice, Jesus told those fellows after he had told them about sacrifice, about being ashamed of him and so forth and so. And he said, verily I say unto you that there be some... He's talking to the disciples and the multitudes, and he said, "There's some standing right here that shall taste that shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power." And six days after he promised that, he James, Peter, James, and John, the inner circle of our Lord. We're climbing Mount Hermon up the rough, jagged edges of the the foothills. Looking to 9,000 to 10,000 feet high at the snow-capped peaks of the mountain. And as Jesus walked with his three disciples, he was talking about the kingdom of God coming with power. And they walked, and according to the, one of the other writers, they were going to pray. And the Bible says as they prayed, as they prayed, suddenly something happened to Jesus. What has always been on the inside, suddenly Manifests itself on the outside. What he had been claiming to be. Since John 1. And Matthew 1. And Luke 2. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Now flesh. Suddenly had become the word. Man I don't know about you. But if I saw that. I don't believe you can hold me down. Amen. Having trouble holding me down and I ain't seen that. Yeah. I've seen that by faith. And Jesus said to the disciples, now Peter, you're going to be... You're going to be crucified upside down. James, you're going to be the first one that's beheaded for me. And John, you're going to be banished to the Isle of Patmos. I need to give you something that will keep you going. I need to give you something that when hard times come, you'll keep going. I think today we need something that will keep us going. And God is so good, after he challenged these men, after he had told these guys there'd be crosses in their life, he says, now let me show you. Uh, this is what's known as show and tell. <laughs> you say, what are you doing now? Trying to revive. Revive. don't worry I get that pacemaker tomorrow and son I'm going to get a full race one (laughs) suddenly God almighty took the hands of deity and grabbed a hold of the sinless flesh of our Lord and peeled it back like you'd peel a banana and the glory of God shone through. They described it. Luke said that it was an unusual situation. First of all, let me show you the pledge. You see a pledge is something. It's kind of like a promise. huh? Guys. If you deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. I promise you. Now listen. It will. Be worth it all. Amen. Amen. When we. See Jesus. Yes, and he wanted to Just. Vindicate that fact. And he fulfilled the pledge. Yes, there was the glory and the power of God. Face brilliant and shining like the sun. His clothes whiter, bleached. Whiter than any cleaner or fuller could ever bleach it. They used to add chalk to the clothes as they laid them on the rocks and beat them or they stepped on them and they put chalk in it and to make them white as they could be. But there stands Jesus and all of His glory shining bright like the sun transfigured the pledge Jesus told the guys over there in chapter 8 you deny yourself you take up your cross I promise it will be worth it all and in six days he showed them it would be worth it all they never were the same when they came off that mountain John said in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Bible said, and the Word became flesh. Now look, and we beheld what? His glory. His glory. You know why he said that? He had seen Him on the mountain. Yeah. Amen. He had seen Him like He is. Yeah. yeah. The pledge. Notice with me, if you would please, the place. A secluded place, a desolate place, a high place. Maybe God is telling us if we want to really get in on the glory of God, we might ought to get away from all the noise. Hmm? Turn the TV off, throw the earphones away, step on the iPod. Only step on yours, not mine. But they got away from everything else. And God wanted to show them something. Something that would change them forever. Something that would make one want to be crucified upside down. Because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like his Lord. One who stood unreservedly. And laid his head on the chopping block. As they sever his head. All for the cause of Christ. Another one banished. To the isle of Patmos. See to do that. You got to see something. To be his kind of disciple. You got to experience something. To be a follower. Who wants to deny. You have to. Know him. So Jesus said, I'm going to take you to a place. Notice, if you would, the plan. Verse 3 through 7, here's the plan. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow. Wonder why they said snow? Could it be they were standing and snow at 10,000 feet? Could it be they're standing there in the pure whiteness of all the snow and in His holiness and in His purity? He is whiter, so white that He becomes bright in contrast to the snow. Oh, He's real. Amen. They came off that mountain. They were different. The place, oh yes, praised place of desolation. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, without warning, after they'd prayed, suddenly all of this began to trick place. Would that have scared you? I might as well lie and say no, I've been expecting it to happen to me all the time. It needs to happen to some of us. We need to see him as the Son of God, the sinless, Amen. soon coming, sacrificial, separated, precious Son of God. It's not Joshua Baptist Church, and it's not Gene Wolfenbart. It's this one who's standing there with his hair and his face shining like the sun. Notice, if you would please, I must hurry. the plan. Verse 3, there was a vision there. Matthew describes it. Luke describes it. John does not mention it. But see, John's whole book is about the deity of Christ. Amen. So John does not have to add anything about the transformation. Because John has already said he's God. Now, just a small added thing to be transformed. Notice, if you would please, the vision. Notice the visitors in verse 4. The visitors. In verse 4, the Bible says, And uh, there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking to Jesus. Preacher, how you know you'll recognize folks in heaven? There's two that's there. And they recognized them. One died and was buried by God and the angels somewhere in Mount Nebo. The other one was translated, taken out in a fiery chariot. One represents all the saints of God that have died and that will be raised in the resurrection. The other one is representative of all of those folks who are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord and those that are caught up to be with God in the air. Aren't you glad of that? And they're standing there talking to Jesus. And dumb Peter, he tries to get in the conversation. You know, there's just some folks... That think there's a law about silence. And just some folk has got to fill the air with meaningless conversation. Can you imagine Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus? And Peter says, It's good to be here. <laughs> He's a Baptist good to be here. I wouldn't doubt the next verse and Jesus slapped him between the eyes. (laughs) Peter, do you understand? Shut up. Do you understand? Peter, just the other day, six days, one week ago, you rebuked me and I told you to get behind me and shut up. You didn't understand what was happening. Well, And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter answered and said, (laughs) Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us start a building program. (laughs) Verse 6, for he wished not what he said. In other words, he developed hoof and mouth disease. Open mouth, insert foot. And there were voices, voices from Peter, Moses, and Elijah was talking. You do know what they're talking about. Luke chapter nine says they spoke of Jesus' decease. The Greek word means exodus. They spoke. Of Jesus' exodus. From this world. They spoke. Of Calvary. They spoke. Of the torture. They spoke. Of the prophecies. Isaiah had prophesied. That he'd be wounded. For our transgressions. That he would be bruised. For our iniquity. He like a tender plant springeth up. And they spoke. Of all the prophecies that Isaiah had ever talked about and all the prophets, they talked and said, Jesus, thank God you're here. I know it's going to be tough and you're going to Calvary. They talked about his death. And suddenly after Peter had developed hoof and mouth disease, I don't know, probably that high up. It's probably natural for clouds to overshadow the mountain peaks. I've flown in airplanes and and seen clouds and over yonder in the distance you'd see a mountain peak covered with snow protruding through the clouds. I suppose it would be common and customary for that to happen. But this was not your ordinary cloud. One of the gospel writers said it was a bright cloud. It had been 600 years since Israel had seen the cloud. It was this cloud that covered the tabernacle. It was this cloud that went before the children of Israel to guide the way. And in the back to guard From all their predators. And all their enemies. It was this cloud. After Solomon had completed the temple. It was this cloud. That came in. And the glory of God. Filled the temple of God. It was this cloud. And no one had ever seen that cloud. For 600 years. And suddenly. Those men who Jesus said. Now if you want to follow me. Listen, you got to die deny yourself and you got to take up your cross and you can't be ashamed of me. And you need to know the wealth and the worth of a soul. You need to see something. And it was these men that suddenly were surrounded and engrossed and enveloped in this humongous cloud. The cloud covered Moses, the light cloud covered Isaiah, the cloud covered Jesus, and the cloud covered Peter, and James, and John, and they were all covered. They were afraid and fell to their face and bowed in reverence to the cloud. And then, very unusual, the cloud spoke. Say what? The cloud spoke. Yeah. Yeah. Last night I heard him speaking. I said yes father. I looked up and saw an angel with a sword standing out at the foot of my bed. My wife said you shouldn't have eaten those anchovies before you went to bed. But the cloud spoke. You know what it said? You know what it said? it said the same thing he said in Matthew 3 and in Mark 1 when Jesus was baptized he brought him up and he said this is my son in whom I will please only this time the cloud said this is my son here and suddenly Peter, James and John looked up and the cloud was gone Moses was gone Isaiah was gone everything was gone and they lift up their eyes and saw what we need to see Jesus only We don't need Moses. We don't need Isaiah. Jesus has fulfilled Moses' law. And Jesus has fulfilled all of Isaiah's prophecy. We can send him back to heaven to go with the cloud because Jesus is all we need. Amen. And they lift up their eyes and saw no man save Jesus. Now that's the story. That's what. Can I tell you why? Hear ye him. Why do you think we had church today? So it could almost have three heart attacks. You say, preacher, you all just stand behind the pulpit and just talk in a tongue voice. And then we can all sleep happily together. Here's the why. Verse one, Jesus is coming again. Like it or not, love it or not, want it or not, he's going to come. And the next time he's not riding on a Donkey, he's riding on a white horse. The next time he's not coming, saying, Come unto me, all ye laboring, heavy laden, he's coming to judge and make war. He's coming for his own, and then he's coming back with his own to get those who should have been his own. That's the lesson. He's coming. You say, surely in this day, you don't believe that. Yeah, I believe He's coming. And He's going to set up a kingdom. And the Bible said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Good news today. The story is a good story. But the why is so much more important. He's coming again. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want eternal life, if you think your soul would rather go to heaven than to go to hell. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There's no need for anybody to go to a devil's hell. Jesus has paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin left its crimson stain, but Jesus' blood washed it white as snow. It will be worth it all when we see Him. The thing that made these disciples go all the way is because they knew who they served.